live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. When I was in junior high school, my mother walked up from her basement studio holding a saw. Now, my mother was an artist, and she worked in ceramic and mosaic and made murals and all kinds of sculptures. And so she walked up from her studio basement, walked into our living room, and we lived in a Victorian house that had these very large windows, very wide and very tall. And she took the saw, and she sawed a gigantic hole in the oak floor underneath one of the windows. She wanted more natural light in her basement studio. It meant there was a huge space there, and if you walked up too close to the window, you would have fallen through. Now, one day, a friend's blind dog was visiting, <laughs> a small black poodle. And in these people's house, their name was Marge and Paul, they had a little gray smudge about a foot off the ground around every room in their house, because the way the dog navigated was it put its nose on the wall, and then it would nose along, and then it got to the corner, and it came over to visit and was doing this in our living room. Got to the corner, and then nosed its way down, and when it got to the hole, the dog fell into the basement. <laughs> the dog lived, but that hole was never covered over. My mother made some attempts with saran wrap and some plexiglass, <laughs> But it was a very unsafe hole to live with. <laughs> but I have to say, the way my mother cut that hole out of the oak floor was like a metaphor for how she dealt with things and with people that she just wanted to get out. The literal or metaphoric saw just came out, and she just sawed them out. And one of the people she sawed out of our life was my father. They had divorced when I was one. And my mother remarried Marvin when I was three, and we pretended in my family that Marvin was my real father. When I had another real father, Marvin was my stepfather. But that's that's what we pretended in my family. So it was very awkward for me because none of my friends knew about this real father, and my real father insisted on staying in my life. So I had to visit him on the sly and visit him in secret, and he became my secret father. He also insisted that I use his last name, Shore. Now, in Little Neck, Queens, in the 1960s at PS 94, no one else in my elementary school came from a broken home. So I didn't want to have a different last name than my mother. Because nobody else in the school had a different last name than their mother, so it was a very—it was just an awful experience to be sort of shunting between these two worlds. But one thing is, I became very good at submerging my own needs and taking on the worlds of other people. What do you need me to do? You want me to pretend I have a different father? Great, I'm there for you. You know, whatever it is, submerging my needs for the collective of the family. I grew up eventually. I did a ton of therapy, and I thought I got over this t 
training I was trained with about merging worlds with other people very, very easily and sort of giving up myself. Recently, about two months ago, my husband hurt his back. He actually is still has a hurt back, and he's not here tonight. But anyway, we were on a walk together, and we were walking in our neighborhood. His, part of his healing journey is taking these very easy walks. And when we got to the sidewalk, he was in a lot of pain, and he lifted his foot up very painfully to put it onto the sidewalk. And I noticed that what I did was I began to completely imitate him, and I started to lift my foot up like this. <laughs> and I thought, I can't believe this. I'm still doing this now. Again, I'm still not over it. When I was in third grade, I took piano lessons. And one day, we had a piano recital, and I was playing a duet with another little boy. And the two of us were at the piano, he was playing his part and I was playing my part. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the duet, the boy stopped playing. And so, I stopped playing. And I remember looking over, and his hands weren't even on the keys anymore. And I just sat there and waited and waited. And then he put his hands back on the piano and started playing. I figured out where he was. I joined in, and we both continued and finished the duet. Anyway, I didn't think much of this until the piano teacher was saying goodbye to my mother after the recital. And I remember watching them talk, and she came up and said to my mother, I got to tell you this, I have never seen a kid do that in a piano recital. She's like in third grade. He stopped, and she joined him, and waited, and then she joined him, and then they finished together. Usually, if one kid stops, the other one just plows through to the end of the piece. That was amazing. And I remember thinking, I don't know what that woman is talking about. Like, wouldn't anyone do that? But I never forgot how struck she was by what I had done. I, I never, ever forgot that. Around that same time, I was getting ready to go to summer camp. And I don't know if they still do this now, but remember how you used to buy those cotton name tags and sew them into all your clothes? So my mom and I went down to Northern Boulevard in Queens to the Virginia Variety. And it was one of those five and dimes with the floor-to-ceiling things and the little bell that rang on the door and the, you know, the, the, smooth, the smooth, creaky floor you'd walk on. And I went to the back window and I ordered my name tags. Gigi Rosenberg was going to come on a strip, you know, blue letters, all, all caps, very excited about this. And my mom and I left the store, and we start walking back down Northern Boulevard again, and all of a sudden, I stop. And I say, Mom, I, I think I need to go back, and I, I think I need to change those name tags. And she said, OK. So quickly, she didn't even know what I was going to do. And maybe she thought that if I was going to change the name tags, that was a good idea. So I walked back to the, to the store, same window, and I said, I just want my one name on the name tags, not just Gigi. Because I was worried my father didn't know that I wasn't using his last name. He probably suspected that I was using the name Rosenberg, but he really wanted me to not use that name. He wanted me to use his name, sure. And all of a sudden, I thought, what if my father sees one of the name tags? I'm going to be in really big trouble.
Two weeks later, I went back to the window again to pick up my name tags, and I'll never forget. The woman handed me the cotton roll, and I looked down onto the white fabric, the blue letters, all caps, and it just had one name there, just four letters, GI GI. And I felt so sad. I wanted a family name. I wanted to belong to a family. I was only like nine years old. I, I didn't want one name. I wanted two names. I ended up cutting up those strips and sewing into my clothes, but I always felt awful every time I took a look at those that one name on my clothes. So my life's work has really been about. How can I be me and still be connected to my husband, to my friends, to us, to my community, but stay in my own reality? Do I have to endure some kind of pain to be able to do that? Do I have to, you know, what what do I have to do to be able to stay in my own reality but still feel connection? So back to the sidewalk with my husband. There he was. Very painfully lifting his foot onto the sidewalk, and there I was, right next to him, very painfully lifting my foot onto the sidewalk. When all of a sudden, I said to myself, "I'm a pain-free woman," and I stood up. Thank you.